0: Welcome to the Midlife Career Rebel, the podcast created for high-achieving professional women to gain the clarity, confidence, and courage they need to go after and get the life and career they want. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Parker Walsh, lawyer, social scientist, brand strategist, executive coach, entrepreneur, and midlife career rebel. Each week, you'll learn strategies to manage your mind, navigate the challenges of midlife, and take control of your career so you can thrive doing the work you love. So if you're ready to tear up that rule book and create your own, you're in the right place. And I can't wait to show you how hey rebels welcome to another episode of the podcast we have another exciting guest today her name is janine esperan she like me is a fellow attorney turned consultant and coach she's a highly acclaimed career strategist executive coach and speaker and she's on a mission to help professionals, especially women, to approach their career development and advancement with intention and confidence. Her TEDx talk and keynote presentations have inspired thousands to take control of their careers and leverage their strengths to make true impact in the world. And I'm so happy that she's here today because that's exactly what we're going to talk about, which is how you can take the reins and really get in the driver's seat of your career so that you can become a CEO of your career. And with that, Janine, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for that intro. I am super excited to have this conversation um, and yeah, share with the audience.
0: Yes, it's so exciting. And you know, I love I, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that we were both um practice law and I would just love to hear, I want to ask you like, you know, your career development and maybe this could be a part mm-hmm. of it, like how you got to where you are now. But how yes. did you go from law to here? I'd love to hear that story because Yeah. You know, and if people are still questioning you, like, why aren't you practicing law anymore? Because I get <laughs> it's been 20 years for me, but I still get that question every now and again.
1: <laughs> right. Yes. People like. it's it's like, oh, that's an interesting transition. Why would you do that? Um, So for me, it was, um, I I started out, when I was really young, I wanted to be a lawyer. I decided I wanted to be a lawyer off the back of a conversation with my mum in her frustration she was like you should be a lawyer because you have an answer for everything because I was quite you know opinionated as a child and she sowed the seed then and as I was growing up I would watch programs like Ali McBeal and Law and Order and I would think oh that looks like a glamorous career I'd love to do that and that was really what sold it for me that that was the thing that made, made me follow the path and do the studies and do all the things um, and in In the UK, in order for you to qualify after you go to law school, you have to do two years in a law firm working on a placement called a training contract. So once I got onto my training contract and I was working in it, I started to think, oh, (laughs) This isn't quite what (laughs) I thought it was going to be based on (laughs) Ali McBeal and Law and Order. Um, But I was still doing my work. But I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip. So I went with a group of lawyers. We went to East Africa um, and we were doing some work on the ground. So we were going into prisons and we were educating prisoners about their legal rights because many of them had been arrested and put in prison because they weren't able to pay a bribe because there was a lot of corruption. Um, And we were able to like support them with knowing what they needed to do and how to represent themselves. Um, and then we went into villages and we were educating people about child protection rights and it was just so, so impactful. We were only wow. there for a short time, but so much ground and I came away changed like I was like, okay, we've just done some really impactful work. I was back in my in my office working in the at that time I was in the litigation department and we were chasing. Uh, unpaid gas bills we were working for a gas company we were advising a gas company um and and I was literally just like emailing people asking them why they hadn't paid and I was thinking what am I doing like (laughs) two weeks ago I was in a dusty prison in Kenya fighting for like freedom for people and now I'm chasing like people to pay bills it just felt very (laughs) very like the contrast was crazy to me and so at that point I was thinking okay so I want to do something that's going to be impacting people on a personal level. Mm. But I've also worked very hard to get to this point in my career. And I don't want to walk away from it completely. So I started looking at, well, what could I do? And I came across various different things like human rights law and other things that I just felt like, no, I don't think that's quite it. Um, And I remember coming across an advert for uh, the coaching academy and it said, come for a two day taster and I was like what's coaching started looking into it went for this two day and literally Carol when I got in the room and they were sharing about what coaching was I was like oh my goodness I've always been a coach I just didn't know it like I've always been the type of person to look at you know what can we where can we go from here like what, what I know this has happened in the past but what are we going to do what's our strategy how are we moving forward and always looking at the positives and helping people to see the positive sides of themselves and uncover their strengths like I just would naturally be that friend that people would always mm-hmm. Always come to um and so when I realized there was a whole industry I was like oh my goodness!" <laughs> and I went down a, a rabbit hole and I got my certification alongside my legal career um and I and I was happy I was happy doing both I had a portfolio career so I was working as a lawyer I was a corporate lawyer at the time um and then I was uh, starting to coach people on the side and it worked really well as a portfolio career until it didn't Um, Mm. lockdown happened the pandemic happened and I have two young children and so I remember one particular day where I was working as in-house counsel for a startup and I was on the call and they were like Janine we need to turn this contract around by like tomorrow can we do that I'm like yeah absolutely jump off that call and then jump on a coaching call with a client meanwhile my kids are in the background being like mommy can I have a snack and I was like okay (laughs) this is too much (laughs) Like, I can't do all the things and so I had to have an honest conversation with myself and say look what are you going to do are you going to go back to lawyering full-time Or are you going to give this business a shot, like just go all in with coaching, consulting, speaking, and all of that? Um, And I didn't like the idea of lawyering and leaving the business alone because Mm. I just loved coaching. And Mm -hmm. so I decided to go all in in 2021. And that's what I've been doing since then.
0: That is so fabulous. I I (laughs) love that story. You know, it's just, it's always interesting to me, the journey that people take, in and out of law, I think, I think we've talked before, um, because I had the privilege of being a guest on your podcast that, you know, I think um, when I started practicing, like in the late 80s, early 90s, um, there wasn't this thing called like coaching, or it wasn't really a Mm -hmm. thing, coaching and organizational development, and, you know, leadership development, like there were, it was basically just like kind of skills you would take, or if, there was coaching, it would be, it would be to correct behavior, right? Mm. It would be to improve something that was wrong um, in order to either probably, you know, prove that they tried before they fired you um, or really to try to rehabilitate you. So there, it really wasn't a thing. And, you know, I think back, if that was a thing back then, I think I probably would have went into coaching too, because I had the same kind of experience when I started moving and I realized I was doing it too. But once I kind of got into the the field and start doing it more, I'm like, where Mm -hmm. has this been all my life? So I love love that, that, uh, you know, you found the same thing. Yeah. And and to really, to really make an impact, which is great. Before I move on, I just want you to do something really quick. You've said the term portfolio career. And I just, for the listeners who, Mm -hmm. I think I may have described it before in a previous podcast, but I would love for you just to explain what is a portfolio career?
1: Yeah so a portfolio career is essentially where you don't just do one thing and you have multiple things that you're doing that make up your time at work Um, and I think now more and more people are realizing that that's an option. You may have like different passions or different things that you want to do and you don't necessarily have to only do one. So the thing that I enjoyed about lawyering and coaching is that Both of them required different skill sets and I got to use different parts of my brain and I got to use different, you know, things that I was good at in both spaces. And so sometimes we can be trying to find everything that we want in our career from one role. And for some people, that doesn't work. Sometimes it's actually I'm going to do my full time job here. There's something I'm passionate about that that might not pay the bills, but I could do it on the side. Right. And sometimes that's required for people to find the fulfillment that they want rather than trying to like fit everything into the one role, which may not exist.
0: Yeah. I love that you said that because I often tell people like this magical unicorn of the perfect job, like for some people they do find it and that's great. They found something that they love. They do it to the retire, but for a lot of people, they are multi-passionate and they do have multiple talents and skills and they love to be able to uh, utilize their gifts over here in one way and then utilize Mm -hmm. some others in a completely different way. And so I love this idea of the, um, of a portfolio career because it gives you the opportunity to really live fully into all of your gifts as opposed yes. to thinking you have to find just one thing and I keep telling people it's a it's a myth and to me in a lot of ways if there's this perfect job out there right there's there's always opportunities to do so many different things depending on where you are in your life what interests you, what makes the most sense. Like you said, when the kids were running around and life changed for you, you thought differently about what you wanted to really prioritize your time with. And I think having a portfolio career allows you to be able to do that in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important to recognize that the person that you are in your early 20s is not the same person that you are in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s right and so yes. rather than feeling like you know i made a decision in my 20s and i need to stick to what i decided to do it's like well you are actually a different person to who you were yes. back then like a lot of things have a lot of things have happened um life probably has shifted for you in various different ways and so it's okay to reinvent yourself and say that was what i did for a season and now i want to do something different like we can do that
0: yes yes you have permission yeah have <laughs> those of you are listening so 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 we're talking about you know really kind of taking the reins and I think one of the ways to take the reins is as you even described with a portfolio career you know as an option but what do you think in terms of cultivating this idea of being a CEO of your career like for you what does that mean and and how can women kind of really cultivate the skills the mindset to be able to step into that role
1: yeah yeah, so the reason why I like talking about this is that I think as I've, as I've grown as a business owner and developed some of the skill sets that are required for you to run a business, I've realized more and more the parallels between what you need to be able to do to run a business and what you need to do to run a successful career. And if you think about a CEO of a company, there's really two things that a CEO of a company has to focus on. The first is the vision. Like, why do we even exist as a company? Where are we trying to go? What are we trying to achieve? Who do we want to be in the market? And the second is the strategy. Like now we've got the vision. How are we going to make that a reality? And I think for a lot of people who are going through their careers, they don't spend a lot of time on the vision piece. And they're too much in the doing piece before they've established what am I even trying to create here? And so mm-hmm. to be the CEO of your career really means I'm going to take ownership of where I want to end up and be intentional about the about the action steps that I actually take to get there. So mm-hmm. it means you're going to take the time to actually say, okay, in this season, where do I want to be? Let's take away the... The the, will I be able to make that happen? Is that even possible, though? I don't think I could do that here. Like, forget that. Forget the Mm -hmm. how. how. Let's talk about the what first. Like, what is it that I want to do? What is it that I want to create? And then once you've established that, then you can move on to, okay. if I want that to be a reality within this particular time frame, what are the, the best steps that I could take? to get there. And, and, and those steps might include having to get support that might include having to enlist some help from different people. But at least you know where you're heading. And once mm-hmm. you know where you're heading, then you can figure out your strategy. Um, and I think that's a shift in mindset for a lot of women in particular, because often we wait for the external factors and the external permission to tell us what's possible for us. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I've seen another woman do that and so I think it's possible for me. But if I haven't seen anyone do it, then I don't think I can. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, we know that to be true, though. And so I, I think it helps to empower people to say just because something hasn't been done before doesn't mean I can't be the first person to do it. So the mm-hmm. same way, if you think about, you know, the biggest CEOs or the the, the most well-known CEOs that we know, like if we think of Amazon and we think of Apple, we think of the ones that you remember, and we know about are the ones who did something different to literally like change the way we do life mm-hmm. right and so mm-hmm. you as an individual you have the opportunity to do amazing things with your career if you think outside of the box mm-hmm. And so that's i love I that
0: yeah you know and it's interesting i think you know what what when i started doing this work what i thought was fascinating and even it was my own experience when i started even making the transition thinking about what I wanted to pivot into when I decided to start my business was just really asking myself, what do I wanna do? what matters to me and what, where do I see myself in the next few years? And so I asked myself those questions. And I remember when I first started doing the work, I would ask other women the question and I, the same question. And it was just kind of surprising to me, although it shouldn't have been, cause I didn't ask myself those questions until mm. very much later in my life that they never asked themselves what they wanted. Everything was guided by what a boss said, what a mentor said, what a, a well-meaning friend had said, or what they believe to be the typical projection of their career, the trajectory that, well, if I'm here, then I obviously need to go here. And then I obviously right. need to go there. Do I want to do that? Does that make sense? I don't know, but it's it's what I should do because it's what's been designed for me without me even really thinking about it, right? And Mm -hmm. so I think that is so powerful when you talked about having a vision, having that clarity, knowing what you want and where do you want to go? Why do you think it's so hard for women to really ask and answer that question for themselves?
1: Mm. I think particularly when you're thinking about, you know, lawyers or um professionals who are in 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 spaces or in roles that require you to go through a lot of education and take a certain step after step after step as you described it's difficult because the path is laid out it's like I want to be a lawyer and so you then become a lawyer and then you're working towards being an associate and then you're working towards being a partner and it's just laid out and so if you start on that path there's so much um there's so much investment that's gone into you getting there right Mm
0: -hmm, and so mm
1: -hmm. there's that there's that sunk cost fallacy right that where it's like oh I've done I've done all of this and so I can I have to keep going so like why would I step off the? Why would I step off the treadmill? Um, yeah. And so I think it's the fact that everything is so so laid out, and there's also the element of like the pace at which we're moving through life like Mm -hmm. there's so much going on all of the time you 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 do one thing and as soon as you finish that one thing you're on to the next thing if you're a high achiever you don't take time to like reflect on what you've done and really take it all in it's like okay next like what am I doing next what's the next milestone (laughs) and so if you're always thinking about what's next and you then also have the path already laid out it's like have you taken the time to actually reflect on how do I feel about hitting this milestone did do I feel the way I thought I was gonna feel um is this really what I still want and I think people struggle to take that time out if they don't have that external person like a coach or a mentor asking them the questions because Mm -hmm. they've been on this path and they do things ultimately you think how you think unless there's a pattern interrupt. So if you've been mm-hmm. thinking this way and you've just been going this way, unless there's someone else or an external factor that's going to get you to question, you're unlikely to do that. Mm. And so that's why, you know, coaching is so powerful.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally, man. That is such a good point. You're right. Because, if you, you know, these external markers and external validation for hitting those yes, markers yes. can be so overwhelmingly powerful that you're right. You don't, you either don't look for the pattern interrupt or you struggle or resist any kind of pattern interrupt because you're like, but wait a minute, isn't this what I'm supposed to do? I think mm-hmm. those societal pressure um on On women to, you know, particularly high achieving women who are like always going after that brass ring to then to stop and say, well, you don't have to go after the brass ring or it doesn't matter what other people think of you or how other people are defining your career or just because they're praising you for the fact that you reached director or VP if you don't want to be there, like, that's really the thing that matters. And I think it's hard to reconcile this external yeah. acceptance and validation with maybe some intrinsic motivation to kind of disrupt that pattern and choose your path as opposed to the, the societally acceptable path.
1: Yeah. And there's so many, when you talk about, you know, worrying about what other people think, there's so many assumptions that people make. So it's like, okay, if I'm on this path, even if I wanted to consider moving off this path, I couldn't because I wouldn't be able to get paid the same amount and I'm the, I'm the main primary breadwinner in my family or I'm the person who's expected to do this, this and this. And so I'm, it's almost like I'm trapped here because there isn't anything else I can do. And what I find interesting with clients that I work with is when I ask them the question, how do you know that? they haven't done research, they haven't had conversations, they haven't actually explored any alternatives, but they they seem to know as fact that they can't get any other role that's going to pay them on par with what they're getting paid now. And so I think you have to watch that. It's like, what assumptions am I making about what's possible? And actually, what if I took the steps to do some research? What if I took the steps to find out like, and gather the data so I can actually make an informed decision about whether or not I can or can't move versus an assumption that's going to keep you where you are. And it may not be necessary.
0: Absolutely. You know, I always tell my, my uh, clients is that like little crazy, tricky little brain of theirs. That's, that's feeding them (laughs) this information because, you know, whenever we try to take just even the slightest step out of our comfort zone, You know, fear kicks in and our brain is going to do whatever it can to protect us from feeling emotionally uncomfortable or traumatized. So I think some of just just like what you said, the thought of, you know, I'm going to go bankrupt or I'll never find another job or I'm going to lose my respect or, you know, and of course it goes to the extreme. Just the thought of making a change or a pivot, it leads straight to bankruptcy and death. And so there's never. (laughs) Never. And like, it is just our brain trying to say, okay, I don't know what's going on, but I know you feel a lot of anxiety. And so in order for me to protect you, let me try to squash that anxiety by telling you all these lies and all this nonsense to kind of keep you your foot right back into that comfort zone. And and you're right. And I think what you said is the best way to challenge that, which is to ask yourself, is it true? Mm -hmm. where's the data like Mm -hmm. show me evidence that supports all of these fears being reality and not just assumptions or things that are happening in your mind so I think that is so powerful that's so excellent
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely and you look for look for possibility models like yeah you need to see how do I have evidence of other people being able to do this in the past? I remember working with a client who she'd been in her company for like 11 years. She worked in sales and she was in the oil and gas industry and it was really misaligned with her values. She didn't want to work in the oil and gas industry to the point where she was embarrassed about what she did. And she wouldn't share like where she mm-hmm. worked with people. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, like, you can take you can you can transition like you could totally transition. She's like, yeah, but I'm the primary breadwinner in my family and I can't take a pay cut. I was like i know but you can transition and she ended up moving into like the decarbonization space she got a promotion she got a salary increase she negotiated flexibility and i was like what would you tell yourself from like a few months ago <laughs> because you thought this wasn't possible and all of the things that you said would be ideal that seemed impossible you've literally ticked those off your list yes. and so looking for if you can't have it for yourself like looking at other people who have made the type of transition that you're considering and having conversations to see like okay this is actually possible another human being has done it and if they could do it I could do it is super super powerful and helpful when you're in that like I'm doubting what's possible phase.
0: I love that. And I love the term possibility models. I think that is such a great term. One of the things that um, this reminds me of, and I would love to get your thoughts around this, is that I have my clients do what I call like a pilot study, like because before mm-hmm. what I did my dissertation, we had to run a pilot, right, to just see if it was right to check the research and are we on the right track. So that brings up how important is it for when you're in this process, right? When you're learning to take the reins, stepping into the CEO, taking mm-hmm. control. Role of your career to not do it in isolation, right? Mm-hmm. To really get out there and have conversations, to look for those possibility models, to talk to other people. Like, how important is that process yeah. in 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 the journey of really stepping into being CEO of your career?
1: Yeah, that that part of the process is vital. Um, it's gonna save you time. It's going to save you time, possibly resources for you to have conversations with people. So I call like people can call them, you know, the general term is informational interviews. I call Mm -hmm. them golden nugget conversations. And the Mm -hmm. reason I call them golden nugget conversations is that you can literally have a 20 minute conversation with someone and that conversation can save you years going down the wrong path. Or it can accelerate where it is you're going to get to because someone can tell you oh yeah like you need to do this this and this you go do this this and this and then you can make your transition a lot quicker Mm
0: -hmm. um and so I
1: think when you're in the season of exploring and you really want to know is this is this what I want to set my vision around have conversations like it's the quickest way so even if you're saying you know I think my vision is that I want to step up into leadership I want to be in the c-suite like go and speak to someone who's there and like really find out what are the realities of the day-to-day because I think Mm -hmm. oftentimes people will focus on like the title of like oh I want to be this I want to be that but like as I found out when I thought oh I want to be a lawyer the day-to-day of being a lawyer is a lot of reading a lot of paper a lot of drafting a lot of late nights a lot And like not a lot of what I thought it was, right? Which is like, oh, I get to speak to people and I get to really help people and really make an impact. It's like, yeah, there's that part, but also (laughs) there's all of it. So when you have conversations with people and you ask them questions like, you know, can you just describe like what is a typical day for you? What are the things about your job that you really enjoy? What don't you enjoy? So you get a real picture of what it would look like to place yourself in that role and then you Mm. may say do you know what this doesn't sound like it works for my lifestyle and what I want in this season or you might say yeah this sounds like I really want to explore this so
0: yeah Yeah.
1: to have conversations
0: love it love it not to do it in isolation so how do you deal with You know, the self doubt and the imposter syndrome, right, that kicks in. Because even probably thinking about, I mean, I love how you started with the parallel of how a CEO runs their business. You want to think about the same way running your career. But, you know, I know there's a lot of women, particularly those high achieving women who have reached pinnacles, who are just already struggling with the belief that they deserve where they are are to begin with, but even to believe they can actually do something different. How do you help women really overcome and manage those things?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is causing them to take stock and reflect on what they've actually achieved. Because even people who, you know, are in roles and they're like, oh, my gosh, do I deserve to be here? Oftentimes when I speak to women like that and I ask them about things that they've done, there is a lot of glossing over experience. So there's been times where I have conversations with people and they'll say things like, oh, yeah, and I just did this th- this thing. And it's major. And I have to say, hold on, wait, 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 rewind, say that again. You did what now? You managed what? Like, what was the budget on that project? You did. And they're like, oh, yeah, actually, that was pretty. It's like, because you're so used to just doing and getting the praise for doing well, you're not actually taking in what you what you did. And I think when I say taking what you did, it isn't just about, oh, yeah, you know, we got that project over the line, or we advised that client, like, you need to really lean into what was the impact of what you were able to do? And what was your contribution? Because sometimes people will say, oh, you know, it was a group effort. It was a team effort. It's like, okay, yes. Yes. Okay, yes. But if you didn't do your part, What would have happened or what wouldn't have happened and so I encourage people to really take the time to go back and look at their experience and like do an exercise where you're going through your career history and looking for milestone and milestones and markers where you've had incredible results where you've received incredible feedback where you've really moved the needle and then what I tell people to do is write all that down and then I want you to read it as though you're reading it about someone else. So take your name off the paper and replace it with someone mm-hmm. else, and read it with that lens. Because I guarantee, if you read it as though you're reading about someone else, you're going to give that person more credit than you would give yourself.
0: Yeah, that is so true. I always, I always tell my clients, I'm like, if there, if if a million dollar deal went through, and your role was to lick the stamps to drop the thing in the mail, you helped land a million dollar deal, one hundred percent. Like every every piece of that is necessary right it's like with any kind of for a car to run the tire doesn't think it's less significant than the engine mm-hmm. right right and if one of those goes out you can't I don't care if the engine is functioning the car, the car will not, not go.
1: Mm-hmm. right
0: so every piece is necessary for that to and every role that you played and a part of that is is required and necessary I love that I love that yeah
1: it, and if it wasn't they wouldn't be paying you like why, right. why they hired you? Because your role is necessary, right? Exactly. And so if you're, they hired you for the role, they're paying you to do the work and you're doing the work and you're doing it exceptionally well, mm-hmm. is what yeah. I
0: say. <laughs> Absolutely own it. Own it, yes. And know your contribution that you're making. So we talked about, I love the, you know, the two things around vision and strategy. Are there some other like advice or kind of components of really taking the reins and stepping up as a CEO of your career that you would, you know, advise or share to for women?
1: Yeah. So other pieces of it. So that that would come under the strategy piece is you thinking about your visibility. So in order for you to, make the vision a reality the likelihood is whether it's within your organization or externally people need to know who you are and what you can bring to the table so Mm -hmm. it's it's that visibility piece it's like how are you actually marketing yourself and talking about your expertise and the skill set that you have and the value that you can bring like those are things that as in a company like you need to you need to be visible and advertise. you need to have marketing right Um, and so and then it's it's really looking at the operations piece is what I say, like, if you think about a company that has a product that they deliver, or a service that they deliver, you as an individual, whatever it is that you're doing in your career, like, whatever your role is, that's, that's your service, like, you'll get, you're serving your company, or you're serving the end user, which is the clients of the company, right, and so paying attention to that, like, are you committed to mastery around what it is that you do? Are you Mm -hmm. taking the time to recognize where there are gaps? Because sometimes it is true, if you're going to move from one role to another, or you're going to step up, you may not know everything. And so Mm -hmm. then there's work that you can do to plug the gaps. So there may be knowledge gaps, but rather than say, oh, I don't know everything, I can't do it, it, is identifying what are the knowledge gaps that I need to focus on, so that I feel more confident in what it is I bring to the table and that I am fully equipped to do the role that I have. So it's about that that balance between I need to be doing the work and making sure that I'm improving on a skill set level, but then I also need to be visible, and I need to make sure that I'm telling people about the work that I'm able to do and achieve, so that mm-hmm. they desire to have me on their team or they desire to hire me. Um, and so there's there, there's that like you know that parallel that needs to be happening. It's the the work, but you also need to be talking about the work because the work doesn't speak for itself. And I think totally. that is a thing where women often feel like you know if I work hard, they'll notice. And it's like, no, you've got to do the hard work, but you also have to do the visibility piece. Like you need to make sure that people know what it is that you're doing, like make it easy for them. They're not going to do the hard work to like, oh, is this person? It's like, no, they expect you to do your work, but not (laughs) everyone's paying attention to the results that you're getting. Right. As you go along. So you need to do that piece.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like that analogy, you know, for tree falls in the forest, and no one's there to hear it, like, did Uh it really fall? And I always make that analogy. I'm like, you can have your head down working hard. But if nobody knows or pays attention, or you're not out there letting people know, and having that visibility, as you said, then, you know, not that it's for nothing, but it's not enough right Mm -hmm. it's not enough of that you need this other piece of the equation the visibility so that people can actually see the contribution that you're making and understand that yeah yeah
1: if you if that piece is missing what ends up happening is resentment builds Mm -hmm. people oftentimes Mm -hmm. the reason why people leave is because they feel undervalued or they feel overlooked and you can blame the organization to an extent but I think there is a lot of responsibility on the individual to say well have I done my part to make sure that they see what it is that I'm doing because people get disgruntled. It's like, oh, so-and-so got promoted. I've been here for five years. They've been here for five minutes. It's like, yeah, but in that five minutes, they've been making a lot of noise. (laughs) And so people notice them, whereas you've been in the corner for five years, just working hard. And that's that's the reality of the situation. And so you have to be strategic about what it is that you're doing and how you're showing up.
0: Yeah, and even the act of letting people know what you're doing and being visible and showing up is an aspect that leaders love to see. The organizations love to see the tenacity. They love to see mm-hmm. the fact that you're interested in what you're doing, that you like what you're doing, that you are making a contribution, that you know the contribution you're making because you're letting them know, here's how I'm helping the organization goes. And, you know, it's funny, I I hear the same kind of conversations. Women are like, oh, I can't believe they passed me over for leadership. But I'm like, are you showing up as a leader, right? And part of Taking the reins and driving your career as a CEO is you showing up as a leader, right? As opposed to being in the passenger seat and expecting someone to kind of drive you around
1: yeah and the more you do it for yourself and you start to think more strategically about where you're trying to get to the more you're able to do it on behalf of the organization because you start thinking differently and making decisions differently where it's like I'm not just making a decision in isolation I'm always like in my mind going back to the vision and saying is this actually helping me get towards the vision and as a leader in an organization that's what you do it's like we've set the three-year vision the five-year vision and decisions that we're making as as an organization as a team we're Making sure that that aligns. So now, if you're an individual who is showing that you understand the company vision and that the things that you're doing is in alignment with that, of course they're gonna love you. Yeah, they're gonna be like, oh, they she gets it. Like she understands what we're doing, and like not everyone is really paying attention to what's being said in those town hall meetings, but she gets it and she's connecting the dots. So it's it's really about exercising that muscle on an individual basis, and then you get to use that corporately within your organization Mm -hmm. and it benefits you and it benefits them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's so hard. I was talking to someone, um, in another podcast episode and, you know, he was just sharing that from his perspective, because, you know, we talked about like, why is it so hard for women to speak up? Why is it so hard for them to showcase, you know, their, their talents, their accomplishments, their achievements. And, um, he made an interesting point that women have been throughout history penalized
1: for
0: showing up right and for talking you know up or raising you know their their profile so to speak which i thought was a really kind of fascinating perspective I think it's a true one as well um and so so what are some of the ways that you help women and I know for me I work with a lot of women in midlife who kind of grew up in a play in a time where girls were supposed to be seen and not heard and mm-hmm. that you know I remember even my mother telling me at some point you know who grew up you know, in the 40s and 50s that, um, you know, if I stop being so smart, because I may not find a husband, Mm -hmm. um, you know, because for her, the pinnacle of success for me was to find a husband and have a family. And that was not the path that I wanted to be on. (laughs) But but I'm sure well-meaning parents were trying to help their daughters to be successful. And so I know a lot of women, like I said, at midlife, you know, in my age bracket heard those similar messages. So this idea of being visible and showing off your achievements is really, you know, a mindset shift and a struggle. How do yes. you help women, you know, really to see that being visible is actually a, a service and not necessarily an act of arrogance?
1: Yeah, um, well, the th- the first thing I say is that if you are mindful or if you're worried about being arrogant, the likelihood is that you're not arrogant because arrogant people don't worry about being arrogant, <laughs> right? It's like that's a great point. <laughs> they just are. So if you're concerned about it, like you're humble enough um but I it's also thinking about the reason behind why you're doing what you're doing so oftentimes when women are thinking about like climbing the ranks and 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 growing in their careers or shifting to do something else there's an impact element like often people will say you know I just want to know that the work that I'm doing is making a difference or I just want to help people Um, and so their motivation for doing what it is that they want to do or getting to where they want to get to is that they want to do something good like they want to make a difference to other people and so if you lead with that and then you say to yourself you know I'm taking this action it's not just all about me and I'm not just trying to be big-headed and just big myself up but I'm I'm speaking up I'm sharing I'm doing these things because I know ultimately it's going to move me towards the vision and that vision is going to allow me to make impact so it comes back to the vision piece because when you spend the time really like unpacking what you want the vision to be there is that element of why in there there is you asking yourself like okay what do I want okay why do I even want that like let me understand that um and I and I I I do the five why exercise with a lot of my clients when they're first starting out to get them to understand like why do I even desire to make this change right now why do I Mm -hmm. desire to do this and then when the going gets tough and you feel resistance that's what you can come back to like know Mm -hmm. your why come back to the why and say okay I know I'm I feel a a kind of way I feel resistance around showing up but I also know that if I don't show up I'm not able to achieve this thing and if I don't achieve this thing I don't get to have whatever it is that they want from that whether that Mm -hmm. be for themselves or for other people um so I think it's about finding your why and fighting for it versus just being like yeah I can't I'm just not going to
0: Yeah, that's so good. I totally agree with that. Vision, understanding your why, having a strategy, visibility and operations. I mean, it sounds like a sound strategy to be able to really take the reins and step into being the CEO of your career. I appreciate that. So I have one more question for you. So for you, what
1: does it mean to be a a career rebel? To be a career rebel. So I I um my podcast is called the Career Change Maker Podcast and my my business is called Career Change Makers. And I, I feel like there's alignment between being a career change maker and also being a career rebel, because it really is about not accepting the status quo, in my opinion, and just like rather than just being like, I'm gonna do what I'm expected to do I'm going to do what's always been done it's you putting a a stake in the ground and saying no actually I've thought about this and this is what I desire to do this is the impact I desire to make this is the the you know the legacy I want to leave through the work that I do and so I might be doing something differently to what is expected of me or differently to how people have done it in the past but you know I'm okay with that Mm. because I want to be someone who's doing something different and that I I, I'm proud of how I've shown up in the world and not not go go towards the end of your career and look back and regret that you didn't take action because of fear
0: yeah ah love it love it so fabulous so Janine where can people reach you and find you and listen we're gonna have links in the show notes but how can people what's the best way people can find you
1: yeah, the best way is to come over to LinkedIn. If you are committed to your career development anyway, you should be on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> so connect with me over there. Um and yeah, like I'd love to chat. If there was anything that you have questions on from what we discussed, feel free to reach out. But that's the best way. Julie Ness brand on LinkedIn. And if you want to check out the website, it's careerchangemakers.com and the podcast is Career Changemaker Podcast.
0: Love it. Love it. And like, like I said, we'll have links um, in the show notes for everybody so you can find that. Janine, this has been such an enlightening and fabulously wonderful conversation. So thank you for joining me today.
1: Oh, uh, thank you so much for having me, Carol. It's been awesome. And yeah, I just hope everyone gets something from this conversation. So thank you.
0: Love it. Well, there you have it, Rebels. Another episode of the podcast. So much great insight here that I'm sure you will want to rewind and listen to again and again. Tips and tools to help you truly take the reins and step into the role of the CEO of your career in this day and age and the future of work. It's not just a nice thing to do, but it's actually a required thing to do. And that's why we wanted to have this conversation today. So Listen to it again, stay tuned for another amazing episode and in the interim, have an amazingly rebellious week and I'll see you soon. That's it for this week's episode. Hey, and if you're loving what you're learning, be sure to rate, comment and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss another episode. Also, don't forget to read the show notes and grab the free resources mentioned so you can start implementing what you're learning right away. Finally, Are you ready to unlock your potential and fearlessly go after the career and life you want? Then join me and a community of other high achieving women in midlife, stepping into new levels of leadership, switching it up to do the meaningful and fulfilling work they're meant to do and glowing up by creating the systems of freedom to achieve their dreams in Fearless, the Career Rebel Academy. You'll find the link in the show notes. Simply fill out the application and together we'll determine if this is the right fit for you. I can't wait to see you there.